Welcome back. We just had a moment ago, Mon, one of the most brilliant scientists here in Australia on our interview. And I just wanted to mention very quickly some of the books that he highlighted because you might want to look those up and purchase them. Mm. And so he spoke about one book that is, for, since like the last 20 years, has been one of the most uh, top 10 popular books on the subject of creation called In Six Days. Uh, which is 50 different scientists who have uh, um, giving their reasons why they believe that evolution is impossible. I'd love to read that. It's really good yeah. read. It's so interesting because you've got all these small little chapters and each one is by a different author giving his testimony and giving his story and giving his scientific reason. And, I mean, these are these are some of the greatest scientists that we have in our world today. Yeah, I think I might it's- jump on... Um- on oh, a book depository and buy that today, actually. It sounds really good. If you're struggling finding it, give us a call. We can certainly uh, uh, find a copy for you uh, probably through um, Better Books and Foods, etc. Mm-hmm, yep. Um, I know they stock it there. A couple of other books that um, that he mentioned that he's written is, and, and he's quite a prolific author. So if you look up uh, Dr. John Ashton, you can see books that he's written there. Uh, Evolution Impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, alcohol, hidden hazards of alcohol. Really, that's just a mind blowing book right there. And uh, yeah, there's a whole. There's, but that's that's a, a couple there that are definitely worth looking up. So um, yeah, do yourself a favor, grab a copy. And it's a great testimony of how you know if you turn your intelligence over to the Lord, how the Lord will use you to further the cause. It's uh, yeah, yeah, really great, really great testimony. I really enjoyed that today, Lyle. Now our impossible quiz. Mm, yeah, something else I'm enjoying today is stumping me. <laughs> <laughs> let me run through these. Uh, let me run through these clues. What have you done this to me? This is a what am I question. So clue one was if I said because I'm not an I I do not belong to the body I would not for that for that reason cease to be part of the body clue two was when Moses ordained Aaron he took the blood of a ram and put it on Aaron's thumb toe and this clue three was an all was pushed through this to keep a slave oh yeah I know this one and clue four Peter used his sword to remove this from Malchus. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, if you don't know the answer to that one by now, you're in trouble. What did Peter cut off in the Garden of Gethsemane uh-huh. with a sword? Chopped it straight off a poor fellow named Malchus. Yeah, he wasn't a very good aim, Peter. Yeah, <laughs> which was good for Malchus, to be yes. honest. I mean, he had a bit of a deli- you know, an issue after that, but he was still alive. So. Well, it was only a momentary issue. Yeah. It was healed. Oh, oh that's right. It was too. Yeah. It was too. <laughs> if you think you know the answer, 1-800-FAITH-FM or text 0491-064-669 or jump on our Facebook, Faith FM Australia. If you could get the answer right, we will send you a free copy of 10 Days of Prayers and Devotions, a wonderful book written by Dennis. Smith, and we will send that to you free of charge. Lyle, I am so excited to jump back into Galatians. Such a great book. So many things I'm learning, so many things I'm finding out. I'm just really excited about what's going to happen today. And I have a question for you as we begin today's study. Mm-hmm. Are you a New Testament Christian? Yes, not exclusively. <laughs> the qualified answer coming through there. I feel like you're trying to trick me there for a second. <laughs> Are you an Old Testament Christian? Yeah, not exclusively either. Okay. Why I do you, believe why, in why, both. Why, why you, okay, so you believe in both. I feel like you're trying to trick me into saying something. Was Paul a New Testament Christian? I mean, he's in the New Testament. Doesn't that make him a New Testament Christian? Yeah, I think that was pretty good qualification <laughs> right there. It's like he's, he's writing the New uh-huh, Testament. Uh-huh. Okay. Was Paul an Old Testament Christian? Wouldn't he have had to have been? 
Weren't those are the scriptures back then, like the Old Testament? Yeah, it, was the only, it was actually the only Bible they had. Yeah. So in the New Testament, like, the only Bible they had was the Old Testament. That's right. Yeah. And that's what we're going to be studying about today. So let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Mm-hmm. And uh, we read, where were, where were we up to? We, oh, we were reading about the foolish Galatians yesterday, weren't we? Oh, we certainly were. Okay. So let's go down to, uh, let's go down to verse 6. Mm-hmm. Can you read for us verse 6, 7, uh, and 8? Okay, sure. Yeah. Galatians 3, verses 6 to 8. In the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. Okay, notice here in verse 8 where it says, what's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time. How can scriptures look forward to something? I feel like scriptures don't have the, that sounds like something a human could do. Prophecy. Oh, okay. So it's like a, a nice poetic way of saying there's prophecy in the scriptures. Exactly. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So the, 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 this is a prophecy that Abraham receives and, you know, mm-hmm. is looking forward to the time when Jesus would come. Yeah. Because, I mean, I can look forward to my swim and my dog can look forward to its dinner, but how does paper look forward to anything, you know? Ah, yes. Yeah. But prophecy looks forward to things and prophecy is written on paper. That's a good point. Love it. Okay. So here's a couple of uh, questions that come out of this particular passage here and a couple of observations. Let me begin with an observation. Here's, Paul has been defending. He's been defending the true gospel as we've been going through the book of Galatians mm-hmm. and he begins defending it uh, by reminding them of the agreement that was reached with the apostles in Jerusalem so you know people have come in and they've undermined the gospel and they've said yeah you know Paul is not so much of an apostle but we follow Peter James and these kind of guys over at Jerusalem this is where you really need to be at not actually telling the whole truth because Peter and James were on the same boat although there were there had been times when Peter had wandered off and as a result of peer pressure had not followed the gospel in relationship to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And so it gave them a little bit of fodder. So they're like, yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, we'll latch onto this. And, you know, Peter and these guys, they have a different attitude. So you should be following their attitude and not Paul's. So Paul begins his defense by saying, hey, we're all on the same boat here. He continues on by sharing and reminding of them of the personal experience uh, that they themselves have had. You know, did you receive the Holy Spirit through the works of the law? Well, of course you didn't. That's not how it happens. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And, of course, he continues on from there. Do the works of the law, is, is the works of the law how you're able to, you know, do things through the power of the Holy Spirit, exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And of course not. That is all by faith in Jesus Christ. Mm. Okay, so he's he's built a defense of the true gospel based on this is the teaching of the apostles, first. Secondly, the evidence of the Holy Spirit, second. And then we come to third, he comes to the Bible. He's like, okay, let's stop and think about what does the Bible have to say on this particular subject right here. And he goes back and talks about, of course, the experience of Abraham. Now, on this thought, let's go over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's look at what Paul's attitude was 
towards the Bible. Second Timothy, mm-hmm. chapter three, and could you read for us verse sixteen? Sure. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to us. What is tr- to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. What word do you think is the most important word in that verse? Um, I want to say inspired. Yeah, most people do want to ask that question. You know why? Why? Because the biggest word there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. I want you to try and find one of the smallest words there. Well, it's going to be either to, is, or in. Mm, Go one more letter than that. By? I said one of the smallest words. One of... All. 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 Ah. You know, that's actually the most important word in that verse. Really? Because if it was said, you know, Scripture is inspired by God. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, which parts? But here it says all Scripture. All. All Scripture is inspired by God. Every single word of it is inspired by God. Amen. Okay. Okay, so do you, you have attempted, do you ever read something in the Bible and think, yeah, you know what? I don't know that that's so, that's so inspired. Yeah, do, do you know, I, I have to admit, I, I know there's people out there who, what do they call themselves, like New Testament Christians or something? Yeah, I've, 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 I've had people come to like, yeah, I'm a New Testament Christian. I'm mm-hmm. like, great. I'm a New Testament Christian as well and an Old Testament Christian. I'm a whole Bible Christian. Yeah, I mean, I understand to some extent why you'd want to do away with the Old Testament because there are some really disturbing things in the Old Testament to read and mm-hmm. I feel like they're not, they're not in the New Testament. New Testament's more, I don't know, just not as dis- disturbing. Give me an example. Well, for example, um, there is, you know, all the different, um, the wars and stuff where they had to kill all the people to get rid of, you know, the sin. And then the the one particular one that I hate the most, I don't know where it's found, you've got me on the spot here, is the one where um, the angels come to visit uh, a family and uh, and the host, the, the father, wants to protect them because there's men coming to attack them. And so he basically sticks his daughter out on the doorstep and says, rape her till she's dead. And they do. And then he chops up her body and sends it around the country to warn people. Yeah, two different stories combined there, Mon. Yeah, but they're both bad stories and I don't like either of them. <laughs> <laughs> um and yes, okay. So, all right, you, 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 now you didn't you, expect me to come out with that. Like did you, you came out with that one? Yeah, yeah. You had to go there. Yeah. So when I read stories like that, it makes it hard for me to understand sometimes what was happening in those stories and why they would need to be in the Bible. I do understand that horrific things happen in the world, mm. and um, and you know we can't just let them not be dealt with. But it just okay. Let me come back to those stories very quickly. Yes, yeah, sure. First go all, on with the story of Lot. Mm-hmm where he's like, yeah, you can have my two daughters instead of my two guests, and those two guests are angels. Mm-hmm. Those two angels didn't allow Lot to go through with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this does not say that what Lot was doing, it does not intimate in any way, shape, or form that this was a good thing that Lot was suggesting. Mm, yeah. Um, the angels did not support that, and they worked a miracle to ensure that nobody had to experience that. Amen. And so... The Old Testament does have a history of some bad things that happened. Just because it records bad history does not condone bad history. That's important to understand. Mm-hmm. The other example is where there was a woman who was who was put out and 
delivered over to an angry mob and then raped to death. Mm-hmm. And once again, the Bible condemns that you know, in the strongest possible language. And this was a horrific incident that ended up in, in causing untold misery and death. And, and the Bible really highlights just how you know, corrupt and, and terrible the culture had become at this particular time for something like this to take place. That's a good answer. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes with some of these really horrific stories, you've got to dig a little bit deeper. But it does not mean that there are not some challenging stories in the New Testament as well. I'm thinking of two people by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. What happened to them? They were struck dead. Destructed? By God. By God? By God. Why? Because they lied to God. Wow. Okay. Not that you can really lie to God. How do you lie to God? Yeah, God knows lie, everything. he yeah. knows everything, yeah. Um, but they lied to God, they lied to the church, they lied to the apostles, and it wasn't even a terribly bad thing that they did, really. They just they, 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 they came to the apostles and like, oh, we're going to sell our land and we're going to donate it to the church, the, the proceeds from it. Mm-hmm. And so they put it on the market and they got a lot more money for the land than what they expected. Wow. And so they just took a portion of that money, um, the portion that they were expecting to get, and donated it to the church and said, this is all the money we got from the land. The problem with what they did was they used the word all. This is all the money from the land. Okay. If they'd have come along and said, this is some of the money from the land, is their land, is their money. They can do with it whatever they want. But when they were lying like that, it was a problem, and God wanted to illustrate that, you know, sin is a terrible, terrible thing. Mm-hmm. And in this particular instance, these people died because of their sin as an illustration to the church and as, a, as an illustration to us as to how dangerous a thing sin can be, that sin causes death. Now, of course, you know, the background of this is that God is able to read a person's heart, and he could see that these people that actually committed the unpardonable sin. You know, they had, they had gone too far. Okay. We can't see that, but God can. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this song. It's Josh Cunningham. Three, what is it? Three crises? Three chords. Oh, three chords. Follow your heart is what they say. I know that if I do. I'll be following something I can't know Deceitful and untrue I couldn't love you if I tried I couldn't find a way Unless my heart is led by God I'll only go astray If you wanna be one heart, one flesh One instead of two There's gotta be three cords woven God and me and you If our hearts burn within us with the fire that consumes Only then can we say I love you well, God is love, He gives to us a priceless gift that's free He gave Himself, He gave His all unconditionally I wanna love you like He does, Lord Give me eyes to see The only way I can Is if you live inside of me If we wanna be one heart One flesh One instead of two There's gotta be three chords woven God and me and you If 
If our hearts burn within us with the fire that consumes Only then can we say I love you This kind love never fails, it ain't boastful, proud or rude It bears all things, believes all things, rejoices in the truth and Love will never seek our own, love's patient, love endures And if we want love like that, it's what we'll have to do If we wanna be one heart, one flesh, one instead of two Gotta be three cords woven God and me and you If our hearts burn within us With the fire that consumes Only then can we say I love you Josh Cunningham, three chords right there. And we were looking at the Old Testament versus the New Testament and mm. that Bible study went in a direction that I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> you didn't expect me to hit you with that story, did you? No, I didn't. I looked I it up, like, Judges 19 to 21, chapters 19 to 21. If you want to read that story if for you yourself. Want, if you want a hor- horrific mm. R-rated story mm-hmm. um, to read, then... Uh, yeah, not one that I'd usually read for my devotions in the morning, but it is in the Bible and it doesn't teach important lessons. It does. And it teaches important lessons of how far even God's people can go mm. when they lose their connection with God. Yeah, and I have to admit, I did, while in the song break there, I did read through it and I guess, because I read it when I was quite young, I remember being horrified, but I didn't read further, but the Lord does serve justice. 
and the yeah. Lord definitely didn't approve of what happened. So it's made me a bit happier about the Old Testament there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's some great things in the Old Testament as well. And this is what you'll find when you compare the... Because people say, you know, the Old Testament is full of wrath and judgment and the New Testament is full of love and grace. Mm. And that's spoken by people who have never actually really read the Old Testament because the Old Testament is full of the gospel. It's all about Jesus Christ. Um, and certainly there are stories of wrath and judgment and war, uh, and there are stories of that in the New Testament as well. In fact, the strongest language you'll ever find anywhere in the Bible is in the New Testament, in Revelation chapter 14, okay. uh, where God pours out undiluted wrath. Mm. You won't find that anywhere else in Scripture. Um, but you know, just as, a, uh, as an example, let me just go to Isaiah here. And Isaiah has got so many amazing passages where you know it really illustrates God's attitude towards us. And in chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Or in the old translation, let's reason together. Let's talk this through. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them like wool. And so this is God's attitude towards us. He comes to us and look, look, you're sick. You know, you can read this earlier in the chapter from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Your whole body is riddled with sin. But I can make you pure and I can make you clean and I can take all that away. And that's my desire for you. Amen. You know, and of course, you've got that wonderful chapter, you know, in Isaiah chapter 53, which is all about Jesus Christ and the role that, you know, he will play. Um, as coming, you know, being the Lamb of God who would give Himself for the sins of the world, and of course that's referenced in uh, by John the Baptist when he talks about Jesus and says, you know, this is the Lamb of God. He understood that Jesus would give His life for our sins, and so you find there are so many passages in the Old Testament that speak about, you know, the love and the goodness of God and the grace of God. You read about the grace of God and the story of Noah right back there. You read about it in Genesis chapter 3, you know, the promise to crush the serpent's head. There's so many, so many places, it's just full of it. Mm, and it's very poetic as well. I have to admit, my favorite book actually is Psalms. And I know that can be a little bit cliche to say, but Psalms is just so beautiful and it's just dripping with, you know, verses of promise and verses of love from God to us. I have to admit, you know, the Old Testament, it really has a lot of God's love for yeah. us in it. The Lord is my shepherd. Mm. I shall not want. Mm-hmm. He leads me beside still waters. He takes me, you know, green pastures. Uh, just amazing promises right there. Really ones that give you hope and really touch your heart as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so the question is, have you ever been tempted to consider one part of the Bible sort of a little bit less inspired? Let me share with you a story. Mm -hmm. I was giving a Bible study one time and I read a passage in the Bible from, and I'll find it for you, 2 Peter 3 and verse 10. And the subject was the second coming of Jesus. And this was in America. I was studying with somebody who was a, uh, he was a very devout person. Uh, He devoutly believed in the secret rapture. Now, the secret rapture teaches that Jesus will come like a thief in the night, Mm -hmm. secretly, silently, and invisibly, and the righteous will simply disappear and the wicked will continue to live here on this earth. And I'm like, okay, that's an interesting concept. Um, Thank you for sharing that concept with me. I have a question, though. What about this verse here in the Bible? And it's 2 Peter 3 and verse 10, and so I read this one. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Okay, yeah, fair Mm -hmm. enough. But then it continues on, in which 
The heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And so my question was, okay, when Jesus comes as a thief in the night, the Bible says that the heavens, the atmosphere, there's the atmospheric heavens, will disappear. The surface of the earth will turn to molten lava and everything is going to be burned up. I really don't know how that's going to be done in secret because that sounds really loud and like a massive event. And how do the wicked who are here on this earth survive that event and continue living, you know, for another seven years after that? Yeah. How is it they wake up one morning and have missed all that happening? And so I asked him this question. He's like, I know that verse is wrong. Hey, what? I was really shocked. How can a verse in the Bible be wrong? Well, because he had a very dearly held belief. And so often, if we have a very dearly held belief, we can read verses in the Bible that absolutely contradict what we believe, and yet we'll hang on to it. So we've basically talked ourselves into it. Yeah, we've talked ourselves into it, made an emotional attachment to error, Mm -hmm. and so it almost becomes impossible to break from it. Oh, that's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Dangerous for you. It's dangerous for me. It's dangerous for you as a listener. We need to come to the Bible every day with an open mind. Now, you're always going to bring your own biases from your own religious background and your own life experiences. That's human nature. We can't do that. And we the Lord works with that. We can't solve that. that. Mm-hmm. But the Lord works with that. And if you pray for the Holy Spirit to give you guidance and enlightenment, then you will be able to discover the truth as you work your way through it. Mm. You know, it's an interesting parable, and we don't have time to get into it in heaps of detail today. But it's in Luke chapter 16, and it's about the rich man and Lazarus. And I'm just going to focus on the last part of this one, and you can send through your question of the day uh, about this one later on. But if you go down to the end of it, it says, He said to them, If they will not believe Moses and the prophets, neither will they believe, even though someone was raised from the dead. Wow. That was Jesus' attitude to the Old Testament right there. The only way you can believe in Jesus is by believing the Old Testament. I'm looking forward to hearing more about this tomorrow. Right now we're going to have a song break. This is Anna Weatherup.
if what God has already done isn't enough for you, nothing's going to be enough for you. Because it's meant to be real. And real life stories have baggage. We know that Peter's a loose cannon. It's all about context. And he chose different personalities to express that because his personality is infinite. If it's a love song written to us, when we're at our lowest points, we've got backup. Like a lot of the rational arguments for the existence of God, they tend to work better after you believe. Hi, this is Luke from oztabletalk.com.au. Please join myself and some of my closest friends as we explore our faith through conversation, Bible study, interviews, and more. You can find us online at oztabletalk.com.au. That's oz as in Australia, A-U-S, tabletalk.com.au. Looking forward to seeing you there. Bye. I'm so glad that's recorded because I want to write that down. Yeah. (laughs) Someone called it a care package there. (laughs) Wow. Welcome back to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. You're here with Darren Pratt, and we're discussing family matters. Today, we're talking about the family altar. Now, the altar is an ancient term. When you read through the scriptures, it says that Abraham built an altar to the Lord, and his family were there with him. So what does an altar look like today? You know, we as a family are busy and often the family is pulled all over the place with school and with work and often both mum and dad are working and the children often busy with after school activities like singing and dancing and sport and the family is busy. The challenge is, when does the family find time to stop and come together and to focus on on the things of God and things found in the scriptures for a few moments. The research around the family altar is really interesting. Things like um, parents modelling how to practice their faith by attending and serving in the church is important. But that influence can be blunted if either parent does not have a close relationship with their children. There is a strong correlation, according to the research, between um, the religiousness of young adults and a close relationship with their father. That's a challenge to you, dads, me included. How do you connect regularly with your children? And how do you fuel and build that relationship? The research also said parents who gave their children room to question, doubt, and work out their faith identity were more successful in passing on faith than those who overreacted or shut down questioning and doubt. Our children need to question. Our children need to ask the hard questions. And and the family circle, an open, accepting, and loving family circle is the best place for children to wrestle with those questions. So dads and mums, don't be afraid if your children are asking the hard questions. It's a good sign that faith is beginning to stick. Acknowledge and wrestle with those questions. You don't need to have all the answers. It's just wrestling and wondering and thinking and pondering and discussing that helps faith become sticky in the life of our children. Um, Also, the research found that young adults who reject the religion of their parents and then came back are those who had a close relationship with their parents. 
saw them consistently living their faith and had the freedom to find their own religious identity. So the challenge is, mum, dad, grandma, grandpa, extended family, when are you finding that time to bring your family together to maybe sing a song, tell a story, have a conversation, um, discuss a question, and just be together? That's what the altar is all about. It could be at home, it could be around the table, it could be in the car on the way to work. Um, anywhere works, but claiming a moment each day to bring your children to the altar is significant. You're listening to Family Matters on Faith FM with Darren Pratt.
That was Carly Fletcher, the captain here on Faith FM, and we have come to our question of the day. Oh, and quiz. Yeah, let me hear you with the last clue. This has oh, been a hard one. one, but this last one. It got really easy, easy when it talked yeah. about Malchus getting his mm-hmm, chopped cut off, off by, by a sword Peter. by Peter mm-hmm. in so the Garden of Gethsemane. This is a what am I? And the last clue, I'm going to leave a blank. So it's a Bible verse, and I'm going to leave one word out, and that mm-hmm. word is the answer. Okay, you ready? All right, yep. Mm-hmm. No eye has seen. No blank has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. I don't get it. Blanks don't usually hear things. Oh, ha ha. It's the part of the body that does hear things, man. We're making this so obvious. If you know the answer to the clue. Uh, you just want to give something away, don't I, you? I love giving stuff away. I wish I could answer the phone and give stuff away, but Marta gets to have that joy and privilege. But 1-800-FAITH-FM, you can talk to Marta. She will give you our prize. Uh, or you can text me 0491-064-669. Jump on our Facebook, Faith FM, and uh, we will um, send that to you free of charge. Okay, so more. Yes. Why did Jesus speak in parables? Why did Jesus speak? Is that our question of the day? That is our question of the day. Is it because they were fun to listen to? Yeah, of course. Oh, good. Yeah. I, I like stories. <coughs> um, I enjoy, always enjoy a good story. And you, particularly a good story, story that you can learn a lesson from. Mm, moral of the story kind of thing. There is more to it than just that. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, so there are a number of, number of reasons uh, that we can look at. First of all, a story. When you think about a sermon that you hear, the part of the sermon that you will remember is the story. It's so true. When you go into a Bible study, the part of the Bible study that you remember is the story. The story. Yeah. And so Jesus spoke in stories because people would remember it. Jesus also spoke in stories because people could relate to it. Mm-hmm. And so when you tell a story, particularly something that happened to you, people are like, yeah, similar thing happened to me one time. And we start swapping stories backwards and forwards. That's human nature. That's how it works. And that's how we relate to each other. That's how we talk to each other. That's how we become real to each other. So when Jesus told stories, he made his messages real to his listeners. Mm. There's another reason. There is? Yes. What's that? The disciples actually asked Jesus one time, why do you speak in parables? What did he say? Okay, so you find this in Luke chapter 13. And in Luke chapter 13, you have the parable of the farmer scattering seed. You have the parable of wheat and the weeds, uh, the mustard seed, parable of the mustard seed. You have parable of the wheat and the weeds then explained. Then you have the parable of the hidden treasure and the, then the parable of the pearl of great price and then you have the parable of the fishing net so he's got all of these parables stories he's been telling stories all day long Mm -hmm. and the disciples in verse 10 it says his disciples came came and asked him why do you use parables when you talk to the people he replied you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven but others are not that's interesting to those who listen to my teaching more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge but those who are not listening even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them that is why I use parables that's kind of strange don't you think yeah it's almost like he's trying to keep a secret from people who don't understand or something almost like he's hiding the truth okay he is hiding the truth oh he is yes because he speaks some messages here that if he had just plainly spoken them out they were too strong for particularly the religious leaders at that time and it would have cut his ministry short oh I see by telling a story he's giving it in code you can interpret it you know Mm -hmm. and those who understand will get the right interpretation Oh, wonderful. Well, that's a great uh, answer to our question of the day. If you have a question of the day, call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM and we'll put it on the show.
A wonderful story, a story and song, really, about Abraham and mm. Sarah being called to the promised land. Amen. Love that song right there. What are we giving away Ooh, today? Lyle. Do you know what? I've never so much wanted to keep the free gift for myself. I'm just looking at it from here. I've not seen this one before. <laughs> it's such a beautiful book, and it fits so well in today's show. So we were talking about, you know, God's love, uh, the glimpses of that in the Old Testament. Um, well, not really glimpses, how the whole Old Testament is just dripping. Soaked with it. Yeah, soaked with it. And then also we were talking about... Um, in our question of the day. What was our question of the day again? Oh, the parables. The parables, That's right. yeah. So this book is called God's Love Song. And basically, it's a collection of stories illustrating God's love. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so parables, parables right about here. Love. Are these parables or true stories? Or These are true stories. Well, do you know well, what? Well, a parable can be a true story. Yeah, I think it is a true story. It's written by a lady called Ginny Allen. And I've just been flicking through it. And it, 
I just want to keep it. Can I keep it? <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to be the first caller through oh, on one 824 <laughs> or the first one to text on 0491064669 or the first one to send us a Facebook message if you want to get a copy of that book. And I suspect that you might not be able to do that. Because I can't use my phone on the show. You I can't know. use your phone until this show is over. <laughs> by which time that book is being oh, long it, gone. It's such a, and it's such a pretty book as well, I have to admit. It's got a little robin bird on it's the front. It's got a retro look flowers. to it. Yeah, it's a really pretty book. So yeah, God's Love Song by Ginny Allen. If you'd like a copy of that, get in touch with us. Be the first one in. Lyle, what's happening? What's happening tomorrow? Tomorrow we have. We'll be right back here with you tomorrow, joining you for the breakfast show. Indeed. And we'll have some new stories for tomorrow. Mm-hmm, new we'll interviews. To, that's right. Love matters. Oh no, no, family matters now. Um, we also will be having a. <coughs> Sorry. Once Mon, once Mon gets over her cough. Yeah, my cough. <laughs> Some more great music and more great programming. And um, Lyle, do you know what? If people can't quite catch us on their radio station. Yes, don't forget, listen. if you're struggling with your signal, the best way to listen to Faith FM is via faithfm.com.au or you by using the TuneIn app. Mm, which is free to download. And then you can just search for Faith FM Australia in the app. And you can listen to a perfect signal wherever you are on the planet. You can even take us overseas on your holidays. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, if you've got more po- more questions about the Bible, give us a call. Um, we can set you up with a Bible study through many different ways. Uh, correspondence, online, one-on-one, which of course is the best way. Small groups are lots of fun. Lots of different ways you can study the Bible. And we know people all across Australia. So mm. positively different radio providing positive outcomes for people right across Australia right here on Faith FM. So stay tuned now. We're going to be having uh, some songs, some great programming, and we'll be back tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news on 87.6, 87.8, and 88 FM with Lyle and Mon for The Breakfast Show. Have a wonderful day.
mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe.